0: the year 2000. WWE has just signed a deal with Channel 4 to start showing uh, free pay-per-views in the UK and the world was about to get a bit more smugger because some prick called Callum Hogan who I will soon uh, thrash over on the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast in a wrestling quiz was just about to be born. So, you know, there's some negatives to the year 2000 but the positives were that there was a show called Smackdown and it was Well, it was really picking up in quality, as we're going to talk about here. This is a very noteworthy episode in the history of Smackdown. Uh, I'm Scott McLeod, your usual host for the Road Retro Smackdown review, and I am joined, as I was last week, by Dits of Project Dits. Back for more.
1: Happy to be back for more. (laughs) And it means I got to uh, chew into another episode of Smackdown. I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I think, like I said, this is a very noteworthy episode, especially the the opening uh, segment as well, as so it's definitely good to have you here for this episode, but as we uh, we often do, we must first go to Raw, and uh, Raw had a kind of a hot start as well, because uh, Raw opened with pretty much the entire locker room coming out, and uh, surrounding the ring, I think they said almost 50 like, wrestlers uh, surrounding the ring with The Rock in the centre, saying he was being the spokesperson for the entire roster, where Brock basically said that the entire roster was threatening to walk out on Triple H and Stephanie if they did not meet their demands, which was they wanted Mick Foley reinstated into the WRF. He said, if you don't meet our demands, we'll walk out and start a new federation, the WRF, the World Rock Federation. Nice. (laughs) Ah. and Renzo and Sevic come out and they say, Yeah, we'll we hire Mick Foley, but not because you tell us to, we were going to do it anyway. Uh, uh, Mick Foley comes out through the crowd, he's all happy to be back, and he is granted a match against Triple H for the W title, a street fight at the Royal Rumble. So, a match I think a lot of people fondly remember, it. it's now finally been made official. And Mankind and Rock start making some matches. For the, for the night given that they've got the leverage in the recap for Smackdown you see that they make uh, an 8 man tag for the main event of the Rock and Sog and the Accolades versus all four members of DX but what you don't see in the, the opening package is that they say we'll have that 8 man tag if DX survive until the end of the night because they also make Road Dog fight Billy Gunn and Xbox take on Triple H so they, they left that part out again teasing the idea of like DX falling apart uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dog is a okay match. Road Dog does hit the kind of the shake rattle and roll, Billy Gunn hits the kind of the Jackhammer. Uh, a decent finish where Billy Gunn goes for the famous but uh, Road Dog counters it into the kind of the pump handle slim and gets the win over Road Dog but they continue arguing later on in the night. Triple H versus X Fac is a little better as a match, you know. Triple H like, going in the corner, Triple H doesn't give like a clean break. X Pac is a series kind of spin kicks there's a low blow at one point, with the ref sees, but doesn't do anything about it. x does hit the Bronco Buster at one point, but Triple H gets the opportunity to hit the pedigree when the ref isn't looking because Stephanie tripped X-Pog by grabbing his leg, so Triple H hit the pedigree for the win. Uh, and x talks to Rodog and Billy Gunn, implying that they don't think Triple H really cares about them, which is something that Mick Foley tried to tell him a few weeks earlier before he got fired. And then, obviously, we get the eight-man tag that we they see recapped at the start of SmackDown. And uh, the acolytes really get enjoy battering people. They even batter Billy Gunn, Larry Road dog uh, X-Wod does break up and after the Rockets Billy Gunn with a rock bottom. Uh, Rankine finally gets tied in with Triple H and just goes mental. And at one point when Triple H goes for the tag, all three members of DX jump off the apron and walk out on Triple H. Uh, Rock and the Acolytes chase after him, they all brawl at the back so at least Mankind and Triple H Stephanie uh, is about to hit with Soko by Mankind and Triple H then goes mental attacks, Mankind hits him with a ring bell, uh, hits him with a pedigree through a table and then pedigrees him back at the ring for the win for DX but Mankind continues the fight afterwards, he's covered in blood it's getting all over his shirt after the the ring bell spot so, you know, this feed is really kind of intensifying and also you're wondering what the hell is going on with DX. Uh, what the hell is happening with DX? They're going to split up? What do you think of uh, this recap of Raw? I like, they didn't mention the Xbox and uh, the Xbox retribulation and the Road Dog V and Billy Gunn matches, but when you're watching SmackDown the recap of what happened on Raw, what were your thoughts?
1: Uh, so in my notes, I put Raw looked great. It kind I-
0: of was for it, in a sense. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, the whole uh, the whole ending with I mean, anytime you see Mick Foley kind of have that crimson face, like it's always it's always kind like an iconic image, uh, and the fact that it was like black and white and all that – I love I love that censorship sometimes because I think it's more impactful. Um, but I, I I was watching it, I was kind of like, should I pause SmackDown and at least go. Back and watch this main event because it did look good and it obviously fed into everything that I saw um, for the rest of the show for SmackDown. Uh, but really, yeah, Raw looked really good. And I know I said I'm going to start binging on SmackDown from this point, but I think I might have to do exactly what you do and add Raw into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is good for context, but you know, uh, you do, you man. Uh, <laughs> one of your favorites, the fake mankind. And he kept going backstage during Raw to see McFoley had the Fate Mankind tied up in some room backstage and kept basically torturing the guy. <laughs> and he was yelling at him. He poured hot coffee on him. Uh, and he he, warned, he threatened to subject him to an hour of Al Snow matches. <laughs> and then he eventually does not entire Basically, like, don't leave this dressing room. And then Mankind goes up to tour for a second. I wasn't quite sure, is this the Fate Mankind? And he quickly says, it's the real one. And he goes a the tutorial and starts making all these random comments about her breasts. And then you realize, like, hey, if you want to hit me up, I'm in dressing room three. And you realize he's, he's, he's doing that so Kane will be sent to the room where <laughs> the fake Mankind is. What I was annoyed about is you never actually get to see what happened. Like you never get to see Kane burst into that room and beat up fake Mankind. I'm disappointed about like, like, cause after, it. Because after Floyd does that, it goes quickly into the main event. So, I would have thought like, they would have done like, a screen and screen thing of Kane kind of kicking the door down and beating up poor uh, Medea and his mankind.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, I, I see, I missed that. It was right, I would have got that.
0: Yeah, see, you, know, you, you, you need to check out these things because you know anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Anything, including a 20 minute promo. <laughs> Cause literally, I looked at the uh, kind of the bookmarks on the uh, the bottom of ladies' like, episodes, like when they show the the different matches and things that you can skip to. And I looked at the thing that like, Triple H apologizes to DX and calls it Mick Foley. And I skipped to the next bit, which is uh, which is what the next match was. And it, I looked at the time, the marker on the the thing. It said twenty minutes into the show. And I'm like, Jesus, oh Christ, this is going to be a long segment. But there is a I, lot. It,
1: it, yeah, because I, I I got to the end of that segment. and I was just like, I feel like I've watched like at least half of this show already, and I was friggin' twenty minutes in. the Almighty! But it was it was it was a good twenty minutes for the most part.
0: Yeah, because sometimes these segments, there's actually a lot worth talking about. Sometimes there's just does that could be summed up in five minutes. I remember actually, I think one of the first Raws I watched when I decided to start watching the Raws uh, featured the "This Is Your Life" segment. And I remember hearing people say, oh, it's good, but it's too long. And how Vince always went on about, he didn't like the fact that it went so long on a live show. And then, I me- and then I watched it in full for the first time. I thought, God, this is a long segment. And it really drags on.
1: <laughs> it's so good, though. I can forgive it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so Triple H says, yes, an apologies to make, not to the fans, uh, and not to the people who threatened to walk out. Uh, On them, he called them ungrateful. He said, after everything I've done for them, I am trying to be a a champion for them. He said, I need to apologize to DX. You know, I've tried to show you guys tough love, and you showed it to me right back. So, you know, he's going to try and make amends. And he books uh, two matches for the Outlaws, where the first off, they're going to take on Bradshaw in a handicap match with there being no DQ, and if Farouk interferes, the Acolytes lose their shot at the Royal Rumble and then they're going to take on Farouk with the exact same stipulation. but this time if Brad's interferes they lose their shot at the Rumble and then he says that he and X-Falk were going to team up to take on The Rock and The Big Show later on in the show and then he calls out Mankind he says you only got a taste on Raw of what you're going to get at the Royal Rumble but you know we don't have to wait to the Rumble so why don't you come out right now and then it quickly becomes apparent that that's not Mankind coming down, it's Midian.
1: Classic yeah. Midian, my favourite guy.
0: <laughs> I did I, I did not think the first three episodes of uh, Smackdown in, in 2000, I'd be talking about Midian doing a Mankind impersonation as much <laughs> as I have been. <laughs> and, uh so fake Mankind basically gets through his knees and the comments on how pathetic he is and he starts crying and goes, I'm sorry, Triple H, I'm sorry. <laughs> and all that. And then it comes the real Mankind. With this, he's got the the shirt that he's wearing on Raw, still got the blood on it and everything. Oh, I love that. The idea that he's not taken it off since then to kind of remind himself of what happened. Or maybe it's because, again, Mick Foley is notoriously cheap and couldn't be arse changed in his shirt. Like, Mick, buy a new shirt. No, this one's still good. It's just a little bloody.
1: <laughs> it's just a little blood.
0: <laughs> uh, this is Mankind comes in because I've been thinking a lot about what Mankind... Sorry, because not only did you guys take away my job a few weeks ago, but now you bring out this imposter of me to try and take away my dignity. What more do you want to take away from me? He says, I've been thinking a lot about what Mankind is. He says, he's an entertainer. He's a damn good author, but he's good at taking a lot of pain. But he's not ready to face Triple H in a street fight in Madison Square Garden. And you see Triple H kind of spinning like he's gotten what he wanted and all that. He goes, we're going to have a substitute in that match. And then he starts slowly taking the mask off. He goes, I think you know the guy. He pulls open the shirt. He's got a Cactus Jack wanted Dead or Alive shirt. And he goes, it's going to be you versus Cactus Jack. And Triple H sells it. As if, oh God, I'm going to die!
1: Ah, oh, yes, I adored that reveal because again, like I, I forgot this happened. I knew there was a street fighter, at the rumble between Cactus Jack and Triple H, but I, I wasn't expecting any of that to be revealed this soon. So to see this, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so happy I got that Cactus Jack reveal um, in this episode. And yes, like you said, Triple H sold that so well, and you would like Cactus Jack is a scary dude.
0: Mhm. Like I think one of the first, right, his first matches as Cactus Jack in uh, WWE was against Triple H in '97 in a street fight. So again, calling back, to that Triple H knows about Cactus Jack. He knows how dangerous Cactus Jack is. So he realizes, like, oh god, out of the three, like, fully personas, I don't want to go into a street fight against this is the guy. And obviously, yeah, he's selling it and he's making people who maybe don't remember Cactus Jack this segment is all about. Many, again, the different faces Of Mick Foley Mankind is entertaining, there's nothing Funny about Cactus Jack Comes out of the ring, he tries to go To Triple H, Triple H does make escape But he does take out the fake Mankind, again, Triple H (laughs) As if, like, what am I in for At the Royal Rumble
1: Poor Midian (laughs) Poor Midian
0: I do believe that may be The the last we see of a of median kind
1: That's depressing
0: uh, But you know out with a bang Or a bang bang As it were Ah ha ha uh, nah, There's a way nice. to do that I'm heroic <laughs> uh, Although he does like, Have a few closing lines They say in the age It's like You know You spilled my blood On Raw I've got a lot of, of Blood to give And at the Royal Rumble I'm going to kick your ass And take away what you You treasure most And that's the WWF Championship and again, like that famous gift, for a future with a shelf and take my money.
1: Oh, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Great promo, great way to cap off the segment. Sold the feud.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited. For, for me, this should have been the main event segment of the of the night. Let's just say you should have closed SmackDown. This was the peak of SmackDown, and it's only the opening segment. You know, I needed a cigarette. I don't even smoke. <laughs>
1: That's a good point. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very odd that this wasn't the uh, because you could have done the whole apology stuff as as a standard to set up the show because that's exactly what they did, and then have the whole mankind, well, Midian anyway, and then building (laughs) building into Cactus Jack. Yeah, that's that is definitely a show closer. More more so than what we actually got.
0: Uh, I will. I'll briefly mention it here. We do get some uh, some clips throughout the night showing footage of Cactus uh, of Jack. You, you get to see some stuff from like the death matches in Japan, uh, narrated by Michael Cole. Uh, you get to see a clip of uh, when he had that match with Terry Funk, where he did the elbow drop out of the dumpster, and then the outlaws pushed it off the stage. And uh, randomly, for the third and final clip, they decide to show a random time in 99, where for one night only, Cactus uh, Jack came back to defeat Midian and Visser in a handicap match. <laughs> like, you couldn't have shown like the match with him and Chainsaw Charlie from WrestleMania 14. Like, because like, they did a thing a few weeks ago where they were showing cuts to Mick Foley because he got fired and they showed the debut at Cactus Jack. So I get you don't want to show that clip twice. But, like, again, there was better final cuts to show than, like, him taking on Midian and Viscera.
1: Even if it was just more stuff in Japan, anything better than that.
0: Yeah, I mean. I know ECW and WCW like, features a lot of Cactus I can either way show that face, but again, WrestleMania 14. Like, he's, like, I'm pretty sure then the raw after WrestleMania 14 where Ian Funk lose to the Outlaws and it was officially become part of DX as uh, the final time, other than that one night in 99 against Visitor and that, that Mick Foley was Cactus Jack. So again, like he's been going back and forth between did Love and Ankle since then, so it feels like a big deal that he's finally brought back out the Cactus Jack persona. It's
1: good. It's good. I'm happy. It's not. It's not. I think it's short lived as well, isn't it? It Doesn't go on for Um, long.
0: I think he's known as Cactus a lot here for the next couple of months, and then he will. He then starts wrestling just as they refer to him just as Mick Foley. So yeah, it's not uh, very long that he's Cactus Jack again. But I think Mick Foley was very much considering retiring. He. At this t- point in time, he considered this run that he was on with Triple H to probably be the final run of his career, so I think that's why he wanted to bring Cactus Jack back. Because yeah, that makes sense. Because he wrestled a lot of his early career. Like, dude Love was like a thing he came up with as a teenager that he then got to recreate in WWE, and Mankind was a WWE creation. So Cactus Jack, for a lot of his career before coming to WWE, and like being in WCW and ECW, was who he was, so he wanted to do that one more time As him. I'm glad. It was good. Yeah. Definitely. I'm glad he got to do it because we got that I can't at client moment. And maybe they decided, like, oh, Midian played Fate Mankind. I think that one time we brought out back to fight Midian and Viscera. Let's show that as a clip because <laughs> that could be the reason. Because I can't think of any reason why you'd want to show that clip. Consistency. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm just checking my notes here and uh, I didn't notice this until now. I've written down Bradshaw versus the Outlaws because that's uh, the first match. For whatever reason, Bradshaw has been auto-corrected to Bradley. So I've now got down Bradley versus the Outlaws, not down in my notes.
1: <laughs> Great wrestler, Bradley. Not enough is said about the guy.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. What a hell of a clothesline on that guy. <laughs> uh, Big Bradley. But uh, Bradshaw uh, randomly comes into the ring and immediately throws white powder and uh the eyes of the outlaws.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, he does, yeah, I feel that.
0: A very unbridged I think you do, and plus uh, I don't think you want white powder around the road dog, you know, but you know. Oof. But we'll <laughs> move on. Uh, Road dog gets sent over the announcers table, uh he brings some steel steps into the ring, uh, he tries to power bomb Road Dog off sorry, Billy Gunn off the sets, but a uh, Road Dog manages to break it up, he uses a chair. Uh like it feels like Bradshaw is going to be able to fight the odds, and uh, he catches Billy Gunn. He's looking to like kind of get but Road Dogg gets a really nasty, unprotected chair shot to the head, which caused Bradshaw to fall. Billy Gunn's on top of him, and then Road Dogg comes in for the double pin. It was a uh, get the win with the numbers game over Bradshaw, but Bradshaw looked quite tough, and it looked like he just missed out on the win because again he was outnumbered. Very very quick
1: match. Blinking, you'll miss it. I think it was. Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, Brad. Yeah, Bradshaw looked good um, in defeat, you know, as as good as he could look for the amount of time the match went. But um, the New Age Outlaws looked good as well. They sold their part of the story, so yeah, it was it, effective. Did what it did what it was meant to do. Yeah, uh, like he takes the chair shots. Whoosh. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Knowing what we know now. It's it's ne- it's it's always a little bit uh, cringy when you see them because yeah, like you said, there's absolutely no protection there because he's holding Billy Gun for Christ's sake.
0: Yeah, going to say, there's no way he can like protect himself. And like it's weird because Bradshaw is seen you know, quite an intelligent guy, like he knows a lot about stock, which is how he made his money, and that would uh, inspire his later characters. But, like, it's surprising he's able to retain any of that knowledge with all these chair shots. <laughs> like, he's not—he's one of the people who didn't care about like concussions and shit like that. He takes steel sets, steel chairs to the head. Like, I don't care.
1: And why Why would you? Why would you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I was going to say, this, the Farouk match later on is not going to be much different to this, but I weirdly prefer the Bradshaw match to, to this, but I think they follow Summer Beat and the, the badass tries his best, but the numbers will catch up to him. The Rock is the you interview know, backstage by Jonathan Coachman. Oh, who, I love this. This is the second time we've seen Coach on this review The first time he didn't really get a word in This time, the Rock actually uh, Actually starts talking to him He goes, What's, what is your name? Jonathan Coachman Jonathan, welcome to the WAF Oh actually they call me Coach Coach As in Coach of the women, the girls' little league softball team <laughs> And then he starts and goes Hey Coach, how is it that you got the name? Coach Well it's actually a funny story It doesn't matter like, probably The Rock insulting Coach, and I'm just like, God, I I am in a good era for the WWE right now, like, you got The Rock and Coach, you got Mick Foley cutting like the Captain Jack promo, like, uh, life is good.
1: Oh, absolutely, I was very, very happy to see because I, did, I didn't realise Coach has actually done an appearance before this, I thought this was the first, I thought, oh, here we go, I'm actually seeing the first time we have The Rock and The Coach together, because they, they are magic together. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you could say The Rock is magic with absolutely anybody, especially like the backstage um, interviews that he <laughs> that he does. Like Whether it's Michael Cole putting a t-shirt on his head or making Coach dance around and all that, art, it's it's magic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The Rock, I should mention that promo, uh, when Mick Foley and him were making matches, Rock Radley announced that he was going to be in the Rumble, and I think he talked about it here in this promo, and something that will be brought up uh, later on something that he said in that promo was uh, I'm going to throw 29 other jabronis over the top rope and all that. And like you know a lot of the jabronis that you call them rock are all around the ring here relying on you to be their spokesperson maybe don't <laughs> and uh, one of those jabronis uh, does make a comment later on in the night but we'll get to him later on but yeah this is the first proper time they got to interact with each other rock and coach because like I said the first time coach appeared he didn't get like really a few words in before the rock he basically just Interviewed himself. This is the first time they actually had back and forth with each other.
1: Oh, it was great. Loved it.
0: Uh, Next up, we have Two Cool and Rikishi taking on the Hollies and El Snow. Uh, The Hollies got a a win on Smack on Raw against China and Jericho again. This time it was China kind of ignoring Jericho, so now Jericho has been pinned by Hardcore Holly in a time match, which then sets up for that triple threat. And uh, El Snow had a a six-man tag where he was teaming with the Headbangers, uh, and they lost. So, again, Snow turned on another couple of tag partners. So, (laughs) Snow's current storyline is that he keeps teaming with people and not having success. So, let's see how things look up here. Premise was actually starts off with Hardcore Holly. Uh, There's a really good sequence between uh, Scotty Jotty and Crash Holly, a really fast-paced one, which I put in brackets. This should be the light heavyweight division. Like, but right now Gilbert is still the champion. he wants to that belt till like February when he eventually loses, I think, to S A. Rios.
1: Christ Almighty!
0: <laughs> 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 what I mean, a time every-
1: to be alive?
0: Anybody remember S A. Rios? I do, no? I
1: do. I, I. To be fair, it's actually mostly from SmackDown too, no you all. But I remember like Lee randomly being paired with him and him wrestling on Heat all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're they're my memories of S A. Rios. I couldn't even tell you what he did post WWE or if he I don't even know if he's still around now who knows
0: could we I don't know but yeah like look at the kind of the moves that uh, Scotty and uh, Crash were were doing like uh, Scotty hits like an overhead pump handle move before he then hits the worm and, like the way he and Crash were interacting again these two guys are perfect for light like, heavyweight division I think they both would have short reigns as light heavyweight champion but they're both reigns that are very much forgotten about because obviously the belt wasn't Taken very seriously. yeah. So I'm like, it's like, imagine you were having a match between these two for that title and you weren't putting it on Gilbert for 15 odd months or however long it you put it on him for. He's
1: <laughs> <laughs> the right man for the job.
0: <laughs> uh, Al pulls out Scotty Tohoy and flans his face yeah. the States to kind of cut off his momentum. Uh, he gets worked over by the heels until uh, the classic fly, nothing from Carter Corral, he dies off the ropes. And you realise like, if Scotty Tohoy didn't put his bit up, you wouldn't have not done anything. All you would have done is land on your feet. So what were you going for there, hardcore? <laughs> uh, like sometimes it's nice when somebody dies in time with knowing that they're going to get caught with something, but sometimes wrestlers make it to always like, I'm going to get countered in a minute. Yeah. Uh, an example I brought up in the past is uh, Cody Rhodes whenever he would get caught in the RKO from the disaster kick, where he would dive up on the ropes, but suddenly lean his head forward for a kick. Like, unless you're going for a diode headbutt, Cody, you've made that very obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. rebound moves are odd. I think there's actually, I think there is, I'm pretty sure there is, there's another instance in this match. I might be right. It might, it's, it's definitely on this episode of SmackDown where somebody, it, oh, it is this match. I'm pretty sure it's Hulk or Holly the job. Like, you know, if that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I was just like, saying, I swear I've seen this before somewhere else. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, so he gets the boot up. Ridiculous. Rikishi uh, gets the hot tag. He runs wild. Uh, Snow is sent into balls first into the post by Scotty and uh, Grandmaster. Uh, he, beat, uh, he hits the island driver on crash for the win. And then the Hollies get beaten up by Arsenal and Snow rants and raised himself. But all I want is a partner that won't let me down or whatever he said. So Al Snow is basically keeps Don McCon to how Nobody actually likes Al Snow. And obviously this whole beating up tie partners when they don't win is not really helping them. Is basically helping further alienate them from the rest of the roster. Uh, we have a segment backstage with Triple H is congratulating the outlaws on their win and basically asked if we see an Xbox and nobody knows where Xbox is. Uh, before we move on any further, any other thoughts on this uh, six-man
1: tag? Uh, I, I say I think it's the same like throughout any TV match in this area. Like it all kinds of, kind of serves its purpose. Um, but it's, it was strange to see Rikishi go from the main event last week to then just kind of like a throwaway with the Hollies and Al Snow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like he does get the win for his team, so he still. Like being positioned strongly like again, hitting that island driver that Triple like H just managed to avoid getting hit with. Things. I love that move, by the way. I, I hate that he stopped doing it
1: because it looks so it it looks genuinely devastating. Yeah, I think so module, so fast
0: and swift. I think the Joe may have used it for a while uh, back in the day, uh, occasionally in like TNA or something like that. But I don't think everybody would notice it. Uh, yeah, I think is, somebody should really bring that back. I don't know who. Definitely not Nia Jax, even though she has Simone, because she will kill someone.
1: <laughs> you do a whole podcast episode on that. You do a whole series.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, move on to Tess versus Gangrel. Gangrel is a character I keep, every time I see him nowadays, I'm like, you're still here? Because he doesn't <laughs> feel like a 2000s of AAF character.
1: He must have been on the fringes at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, He's been on, like, like, ever since, like, the hard he's got with Terry Reynolds instead of him. He's, like, he's been more and more of a background player. I mean, they paired him with Luna, who's his real-life wife at this point. Uh, oh, was but, she? Yeah, I think they got married in 94. I think they were together until at least 2006. Oh. Huh. I'm pretty sure there's a, a, a promotion in Australia, the WWE. Uh, I only know it's because of the AE podcast, but they uh, talk about one of their shows where on one of those AA, uh, WWE shows, uh, they had a match between Luna and Gern Gro Classic. <laughs> while they were still managed. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's weird because, obviously, I don't see Gern if I don't know if i met a or boom. But he's taking on Test here, and we get a recap of Test and Big Show beating the uh, boss man Albert on Raw. And really, the match was just about as long as the recap made it seem. So there's nothing I could add to that, but randomly, Gangrel is the heel because he he and Luna keep uh, taking Luna keeps taking cheap shots and they keep cheating against Tess. Like he uh, goes to the outside again, like, um, cheat shot by Luna. Uh, Tess does catch Gangrel with a gut wrench power bomb, but Luna keeps attracting the ref. Uh, Gangrel catches him with a small package, and he also he got he, the worst use of the the ropes and a pin I've ever seen. Oh, Gan- yes. Yeah, and Grell's meant he, like, put his foot on the rope for <laughs> leverage, but he goes to put his feet on, like, the, the bottom rope because he somehow can't get him to the second rope. But even there, he's struggling to he keep his foot on the rope. <laughs> and, like, Stess kicks it anyway, so the ref doesn't even catch him using the ropes. So, like, what is even the point here? <laughs> yeah, Why, why, that <laughs> why does a vampire need to use the ropes anyway? Just buy him. Done. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I put that. I put that in my notes. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like that is definitely not what he meant to do. Uh, it was it was wide stance as well. It was like either side of the turnbuckle. It
0: just fucking looked, looked bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that I was on I either side of like the the, the turnbuckles. Like, yeah, he Gangrel was just lost. Gangrel was an entrance and nothing else.
1: It's a very, very good entrance, though.
0: It is a good entrance.
1: I'll give him that.
0: Uh, Tess hits a full Nelson slam, but then Luna pulls the referee out. The referee does get knocked down, so the match is called off. And then Tess hits Luna with a pump handle slam, which gets a cheer. And like, given how small Luna is, it looks even more impactful. <laughs> and Grand Girl just leans on the ropes and a kind of a, this isn't my spot, so I'm not getting involved kind of thing while his on-screen and real-life partner is getting pump handles land by a much larger man. And also they mentioned uh, Tess is... John going, Tess has been having his trouble with women lately. Like, first, Tor- uh, Stephanie broke up with his engagement and uh, helped ex beat him up. And then Tory made those accusations because Kane, he beat the shit out of him. And now Luna's getting involved. I think he basically uses basically tries to imply that Tess is, is within his rights to beat up Luna Vachon, because uh, women, huh?
1: <laughs> 2,000. 2,000.
0: new face gimmick. He's annoyed with women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just will get you over.
0: Uh, he does had a slam and then a really impressive elbow drop to Gangrel. Uh, so yeah, Tess's new thing is that women have just annoyed him, so he's well within his rights to Slam a woman if he wants to. That <laughs> seems
1: uh. to it's China. Good luck with that.
0: Speaking of China, she's backstage with Chris Jericho and she's trying to apologise to him for like the last couple of weeks of miscommunications and the time he's like, no, me and you, we, we can make this work. And uh, Jericho is almost like taken aback by what China's saying, but like, all right, he reluctantly, you know, accepts what she's saying. And uh, you know there's more foot, and we'll get to that later on. Bossman and Albert, that tag team that's hanging on by by by, by the edge, uh, taking on the Hardys. The Hardys finally back together again after uh, Matt was injured. Matt The Hardys actually randomly fought Steve Blackman and Kurt Angle on Smack on uh, on Raw this past week, and uh, they got the win by beating. Uh, by beating Blackman, but again, Angle's like, throwing a like, no, I'm still undefeated, I wasn't pinned, I haven't been pinned yet. What was weird is they were doing this weird thing where, because obviously the, the locker room stood up to DX, they were doing a whole thing on what well, with a sign-up sheet, where basically all the matches were determined by somebody going up to a sign-up sheet and writing, I want to face this person. <laughs> like, if everybody the the, the hardest could have faced, they said, hey, you know what, I want to fight Kurt Angle and Steve Blackman
1: great tag team that I didn't even know existed until today
0: I, I think you're better off than that, than me for not remembering that that happened because I had to sit through them <laughs> and I just look at Blackman and I'm just like just leave Kurt alone man like you've been, and you've been getting you've been appearing far too often in Kurt segments and matches go away Steve that's just random I know like, just go away, Blackman. <laughs> but, you know, the Hardies. I was quite annoyed because I put them in. It's Hardys are using their speed to avoid like, the bigger, like Bothman and Albert, using, hitting double team moves, uh, which are probably better than what most people are using at this time. All the while, the crowd are chatting, Terry, Terry. As Terry just stands there at ringside.
1: Uh, she's no later, is she?
0: Oh, no, she's definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, that was just the thing, like this happens quite a lot. Like the Haris are like showing why they are considered so in a in a, innovative in in the book. Can't even say words innovative in what I can't even say. Innovative. There <laughs> <we> innovative. <right>. <laughs> 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 Distracted oh, by Terry. Um, yeah. Like why they are highly regarded for some of the moves that they did that nobody else was doing at the time. And yeah, the crowd just keep chatting Terry, like eventually the like, Hardys tend to like get the crowd back on side, but like this thing with Terry is just proven to be more of a distraction. I think
1: it's not even like Terry's a big player either, is it?
0: No, it's like very, had, it's very strange. I even said way back in our No Mercy review that like I know a lot of people consider like the the finals between that ladder match between the Hardys and the Edge and Christian, which was for her services, to be like a grand moment for both teams. Uh, and it's one of those things. I don't really think it was even meant to be about elevating those teams. I think it was all about like finding a tag team for Terry to manage to so see as something to do. So I think it was like set up to elevate Terry, but it did more for the Hardys than it did for her.
1: WWE would not have you know that though, would they?
0: Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I think they got away with it there. Uh, but anyway, I can I can say words now. I'll move. I'll move on to. Uh, Albert does have a quite a unique looking move where he has him up in the torture rack move, I think it's uh, Jeff Hardy and it's just kind of a spin-out move into a neck breaker which was uh, quite good. Uh, Bossman does, I think, maybe to shut down the whole crowd chatting Terry. He randomly just tries to kidnap Terry for some reason before uh, Jeff gets involved and uh, what is interesting here is that Matt Hardy hits the twist of fate and for the first time on commentary it's actually referred to as the twist of fate, like goes like, I believe he calls it the twist of fate. Because before they'd just been calling it like a wrist, a spinning net breaker or whatever. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Like, I think I've heard it not referred to as the twist of fate, but then I remember it just kind of caught my ear. It's like, he calls it the twist of fate. Like, Oh good, it's finally got a name, is it? <laughs> uh, it's a spot in the corner where Albert accidentally hits a splash on Bossman because one of the Hardy's moves. Uh, there's a roll-up By Jeff Hardy for the win. And then, after all these weeks of uh, teased tension, Bossman and Albert finally explode and come to blows, which the camera almost misses. Because literally, like, literally, like, you hear Cole saying, Oh, Albert and Bossman are going at it, because the camera's on the Hardys and Terry, and so it has a quick cut over to uh, Bossman and Albert as the referees are trying to separate them because they're battering each other on the outside.
1: Uh, i yeah it was <laughs> it was it wasn't handled well i i i'm not, for the fact that i'm not interested in albert and Bossman to begin with although I, i've always been i've always had a soft spot for Bossman because he was the first ever person I, I would say hulk hogan but he i like the fact i like to use that Bossman is the first person i saw wrestle rather than hulk hogan because that's just an easy one um yeah. so i have a soft spot for Boss Man, but Albert, not so much. So I don't really care that much that these two were having issues or the fact that they were brawling.
0: Right, I, think, I don't think you'd have that much of a thought for the Boss Man if he'd been around for the last few months of this review, like especially his feud with the big show. Ah, yes. Evil people do evil things. That's the summary of that feud. Uh, I, I would like to say that, although now this part has broken up, that Boss Man doesn't have much long left. And then I remembered he actually, he actually managed to like go away for it, but then came back around two thousand and two for some Because 'Cause I'm pretty sure he's included in the first ever draft. So like
1: Ah, of, I remember seeing him in the um like in the in the big room like where all the all the superstars were. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I remember seeing that. Like,
0: like I, was, I thought like, I thought, okay, somewhere about mid two thousand boss man goes away, I was thinking of myself I was like, no, oh, This guy managed to hang around until 2002. I'm like, how? How is that possible?
1: I don't know how old. How old would he have been at this point?
0: Oh, I don't think he was. Because he passed away not long after leaving WWE in 2002. A few years later, maybe around 04. So I don't think he, I I think he may be in a sad case of when the people die young. So I think he has to be at this point, late 30s, if not just coming on to 40, maybe. Because also he was around in the 90s. And obviously, back in like the N.W.W.C.W. days as well. So he's, he's been around for a while.
1: Uh, it's a shame. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely, but you know, like I don't get the reason. Like you're building this tidy you that know, we don't even care about, it, but you've been building tension between the two for the last week and a half. And it's like, oh, finally, they're gonna break up. And your camera's not even on them when they actually start. <laughs> when they actually have their breakup.
1: That just shows to Show, and I think Albert. I think Albert's been involved in a few of these where he's he's kind of well. I, I guess they kind of turned on each other, but where there's dissension in the tag team, like Albert just seems to be renowned for it because he do, he'll do it again in a few years with Scotty Soho as well.
0: Yeah, he's he's just seemed to float from throwing together tag team to throwing together tag team with, with Albert because I don't think they really see much of him as a singles guy.
1: It's like a crap version of Cesaro.
0: <laughs> I mean, he must have been in something, right? You know, he's a, he's a trainer at the performance center now.
1: That always that always surprised me when I found out that he was the head trainer. But yeah, like I think he, I think he's been around. I think he's probably more based on like experience. He's been around a very, very long time, and he's I guess he's been in Japan as well. So he's yeah, he's got enough experience under his belt but still it does surprise me that it's him and not somebody else because it was he was never renowned for being the best in ring worker in wwe Is not as far as i'm aware anyway
0: Mm -hmm. uh backstage the big show has been interviewed by lillian garcia and he basically talks about how he says that he's looking forward to getting his hands on the on triple h and xbox and he says he took he took the rocks comments on raw personally like we trusted The Rock to be our spokesperson. And he called us, called us a jabroni. Like, and I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. I just want make this clear. I don't like The Rock. <laughs> like, wow. This is the acting ability that gets you into movies like Waterboy, isn't it? Yeah, it's Captain Athena. Which <laughs> <Because> i I'm, <messy. laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're building to Big Show, going back to building towards him being a heel again, and like, I think he started our retro review as a, he- a heel with Undertaker then randomly turned face and now he's going to, right before winning the title, now he's going to be a heel again so it's only in two or three turns or it, since the start of this review, which for Big Show is uh, not a lot but this Brilliant. is my his career <laughs> ah. oh, This will be good in 2000, how many times will Big Show turn heel to face? Or face the heel.
1: Please please put... uh, When you hit 2001, please put up a stat of how (laughs) many times he's done it. I'd be very curious to see how many times it is.
0: So, like... He is going to turn heel by the end of this episode. Spoiler alert. So, we're on three at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Are we on three? Because he started off as a heel. So, actually, we're on two turns at the moment. So, so, yeah. Two turns. (laughs) face once and now he's turned back to heel so we're on two at the moment but you know that number will grow very quickly
1: oh yes let the journey continue
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then we've got a uh, China going up to Tori she's got something important to tell her but uh, it's better off she talks about it in private oh what could this possibly be about oh uh, god I forgot about this Still I scrolled down in my notes go and Steve and have a match taking on Edge and Christian no way. Right. Uh, I just put down Blackman does karate things. <laughs> That's just seems to be his offense.
1: That's fair. That's fair to be, I I literally only have. Um, well, I've got two things. I thought three out of four would become world champions, which I thought was interesting. And then Edge and Christian are, are brothers. I completely forgot that that was a thing they were plugging for so long. And then it was just dropped. It was like, nah, they're actually just best mates. They're, just, they're, they're like brothers. They're bit, they've known each other for such a long time. They're like brothers. It's like, right, okay, which one is it?
0: I don't think that's even acknowledged that they're not brothers until Christian came back in two thousand and nine. Oh really? Was,
1: Jesus Christ!
0: Like they do break up uh, when they when they have, when eventually break up. They still acknowledge. They still act like they're brothers. And then I think after that, they were just kept away from each other for so long, doing their own thing. And then obviously Christian left that time for a couple of years. So I don't think it was until he came back that it was acknowledged, like, yeah, like, you guys know they're not brothers. Because uh, they have a thing at Backlash 09 after Christian wins the ECW title where they had their first, like, confrontation. And, like, since Christian left, where they basically acknowledge that they're not brothers.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that.
0: So this uh, match, yeah, because, like, Blackman they keep like, like saying oh that martial arts kick or that martial arts thing is like you just keep adding martial arts things to whatever Blackman does to try and make him seem somewhat cool because <laughs> you have no idea what a real martial artist looks like
1: <laughs> you got, you uh, got to put him over you got to put him over
0: Angle gets sends uh, Christian to the post kind of ribs first Blackman uh, takes a tube shot uh, behind the rest the back and uh, Christian gets kind of worked over for a while until he counters Angle with a reverse DDT Hot die to Edge, which gets cut off and he's booted in the face by Blackman. Now, to explain this next Valvinus segment, when Valvinus randomly appears on the Tron, uh, Edge on the sign up sheet on Raw asked for a European title shot at Valvinus. So, yes, there's a European champion, he's be forgiven for forgetting that. And, well, they acknowledge that in real life, Val Venus's sister is engaged to Edge and uh, Edge lost the match to Val obviously but randomly they have this weird awkward thing after the match on Raw where Val seems annoyed when, when Edge announces that he's not going to be the best man at the wedding and then says it's going to be Christian like well why would you think it wouldn't be Christian you dad, bastard like even if <laughs> Christian's not his brother he's still his closest pal why did you think it would be you
1: fucking Val Venus?
0: And basically, Val basically distracts Blackman and then he sees he's got, he reveals he's got Blackman's candles. Like, I wouldn't want you using this on my future brother in law or anything. And then uh, Christian and Edge win with a dropkick into a bridging uh, German suplex. So they get a the win, rightfully so. And then Angle, like, I'm still undefeated because he gets <laughs> the And uh, do you actually know Edge would say, married to Val's like, sister? Until around 2004-2005 Around the time it was revealed That he and Lita were having that affair ah. Yeah a lot of people don't realise that He was like, Not only did Lita cheat on uh, Matt but uh, Edge was married at the time Oh dear
1: Oh dear
0: indeed Oh dear Oh dear indeed So you know that's a little fact there for you <laughs> I'm just full of useless information.
1: It serves this purpose. You've got a podcast, you need to fill it with something. <laughs> uh,
0: this, this next bit here, like, Chyna tells Tori that Jericho keeps talking about her and about some weird fantasy he has about her to do with uh, some flight attendants uniform. But then she goes <laughs> like, oh, please don't tell Kay. I said this, because like, you know Kay, you'd probably want to hurt Jericho. You'd probably want to challenge Jericho to a match, non-title, of course. Like, you know, I never knew you'd never think Cheney was such a good actress, would you? You know, <laughs> she was in such Rock from the Sun and everything. Oh my! And then, as soon as Tori runs off, Cheney is just laughing to herself.
1: Great segment.
0: Uh, we after we, there's one of these uh, Captain Jack flashbacks that we've already talked about. Uh, then we have the outlaws against Faruk. Uh It's pretty much the same as what happened with Bradshaw. Fruit does run down midway through Road Dogg doing his like whole uh, stick, which again I don't think they should be doing. You're meant to be fucking heels because like again, whenever they come out the crowd are still channel along with the "Oh, you didn't know." So like to me, that doesn't make them effective heels.
1: Cool heels.
0: Ah, uh, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Slims, Billy Gunn hits the spine buster on Road Dog, but again the uh, the numbers can catch up to him I, as much as I didn't like the uh, the unpretended chair on Bradshaw I still think that was a better finish than this because uh, Billy Gunn hits the jackhammer on the right, that's fair enough but Road Dogg does this really weird looking knee where he just kind of the shake thing as he's going to hit the knee and usually nobody, nobody gets beat with that, he hits the knee after the jackhammer, they do the double pin and uh, that's the win for the outlaws. I'm like, seriously? You won with a knee? Especially for Rogue. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Bradshaw, does he not run down immediately after the match? Like, well, you said I couldn't interfere during the match. He didn't say anything about after.
1: See, he's smart. He's got the smarts.
0: That's how you become a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, God, this doesn't get any better. This is why you should have had the McFoley thing at the end, not the start. There were some shit filler matches in this show. Because now you got the Godfather and D.Lo Brown versus the Headbangers. No oh, dear. And, like, D.Lo has went full Godfather, which you never do. You never go full Godfather. <laughs> like, he's dressing like the Godfather. He's trying, he's, he's pimping training. Because they don't have anything else for for Dealer burn at this time unfortunately
1: <laughs> 2000 again Godfather yeah. Hose Pimpin
0: also, all the rage also something we should acknowledge here uh, as the Headbangers are making their entrance the arena suddenly gets bathed in orange and there's this flash on the screen hearing the words survive and the mood is about to change uh, teasing a certain uh, extreme superstar to come in the coming weeks.
1: That was the only note I put under mm. this, and it wasn't even part of the match.
0: Oh, like, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I put my notes fuck this match. Because <laughs> it's, no, it's no secret for people who have been listening for a while, I hate the headbangers with a, I have an unnatural hatred for the headbangers, because I think, I don't get their gimmick, especially not at this period, like, when they were first brought there they were maybe hip and cool. Like, hey, late 90s, and Manson. These guys like Marilyn Manson, they're cool. And like, they're just some of the sloppiest wrestlers I've ever seen. Like, they've got a powerball mini, a leg drop finisher, which they always look like they're going to kill someone when they hit it. I just hate them.
1: I've never really seen that much of them. I think this is actually probably the first ever headbangers match I've watched.
0: Well, and then going further, asked them at the start of the match, like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Like why do you keep dressed like this? Like are you guys all there? And then he goes like we look better we basically look better than your trolls here, talking about the holies. <laughs> Again, this match is nothing to write home about, I just wrote down, fuck this match, go we'll trade and a low down for the win. So the headbanger's lost and that's what's important. But we go back to people we actually care about, Big Show and The Rock uh, being interviewed and if we, as if an individual interview wasn't enough, let's get the two together. <laughs> because we had out the show. Eh, where Big Show basically re interrupts what the rock's saying and goes like, like I don't need you, you just need to stay out my way and he reiter- reiterates, I don't like you. And I'm they're like, Why are you talking like this?
1: <laughs> you have to make your point.
0: <laughs> Am I speaking clearly enough? <laughs> Why did they cancel the big show show? I have never seen that. Have you watched it? God, no.
1: <laughs> I
0: said, God, no. Oh, like, I, I heard I did hear they canceled after one series and I can't say I'm surprised.
1: No, I don't, I, how that was ever going to be seen as something that would get off the ground is beyond me.
0: Next up, we have a match between two men who will feud uh, later on this year, but they're getting the first, uh, I think it's the first anniversary of MNWF uh, here on the stage of SmackDown. It's Kane and Jericho, you think this is about Tory? Ah, uh, I thought that was, the joke was better in my head. <laughs> uh, it's not about Tory, and it's not about coffee. Eh, uh, Jericho tries to reason with Kane, saying like, "No, like, I'm not saying Tori's a liar. Like, China, that thing's not true. I don't go for women like Tori. I go for a more pretty girls. Well, I'm not saying that she's ugly, but he keeps <laughs> basically like, putting, he's putting his foot in his mouth until eventually Kane's i like, am 'I'm gonna batter this guy.'
1: <laughs> I love Chris Jericho.
0: Yeah, Chris Jericho had a rough first few months, but he's really ever since he defeated China for the title, he's really found his groove. I think even when they're trying to pair him and China together, it's clear that the fans care about him way more than China. Uh, Kane gets does catch Jericho with a sick-looking uh, power bomb. Uh, Kane dies off the steps. Uh, Jericho does move it away though. Kane gets in uh, Kane then gets down into the steel steps. Uh, China comes in with Miss Kitty, kind of distracting Jericho when he goes for the walls of Jericho. Uh, Kane manages to catch him with the with the uh, with a chokeslam, Kane wins, and the cat runs out of ringside and steals the Intercontinental title.
1: That chokeslam, by the way, mm-hmm. looked amazing. It was a, a one-arm chokeslam, brilliant. Yeah, and he, he he held him up there for a little bit as well. It was oh, I, I appreciate a good chokeslam. And Big Show at the moment is doing peak levels of chokeslamming, and Kane with his one arm, good stuff.
0: Yeah, when King does the, the one-armed choke slam, that's when it's at its best. Like, we see when you get when somebody smaller like Jericho, I mean, is it would properly slam, or somebody who actually jumps. like whenever he, whenever John Cena takes a choke slam from Big Show or K, he properly jumps when he's being choked, slammed to get the height on it. So it always looks great.
1: Yeah, you've got your two levels. You got the John Cena levels of height, and then you've got the Hulk Hogan levels of height.
0: And right up in there and the Hulk Hogan level, I would say is Goldberg. <laughs> We oh. thought that was God, <laughs> uh, Xbox finally been found. No explanation as to where the hell he was earlier on, but he's just chatting with Triple H and Stephanie, and uh, Triple H is trying to get me trust both of them. Like Xbox basically applies, "I trust, I trust Triple H, but I don't trust Stephanie." Like, oh, how can yeah. two, two teams? How will they possibly get along? And it comes uh, Xbox and Triple H, and they apply that. Well, they're not coming to Triple H's music, they're coming to the DX music, Is this is a, sh- a, sh- a show of unity on Triple H's part. I just noted down as this is a, re- a good reason for us not to have to hear my time.
1: Are you not a fan of my time?
0: Oh, I hate my time.
1: Oh! See, I, I quite enjoy a bit of my time. It's, 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 no, uh, it's no Motorhead, don't get me wrong, but,
0: but I it's, think, it's I think okay. I, was, I think when I was introduced to Triple H, he had Motorhead and there was only when I'm watching back like stuff from two thousand and ninety nine. I think he had my time. Like, what the hell is this? But also, in this review, the more influence Triple H gets on TV, uh, the more he appears throughout the show, and he keeps having to come out and get have his music play every time he comes out. So I'm hearing my time like three, four, sometimes five times a fucking show.
1: Okay, that's
0: you know, fair. <laughs> even if I did like it, I'm just, and, and what's annoying is that when I have episodes like that, I'll walk around for days afterwards without my head, and I'll catch myself singing it, even though I don't like it, which <laughs> means it gets stuck in there even longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have like a pretty good reason. <laughs>
0: like an earworm. <laughs> and then randomly, H tries to like stir things up between Big Show and uh, The Rock, I said, well, let me guess who's going to come out next. Well, The Rock's not going to come out first, he has to get the big paw. so I guess it's a guy called The Jabroni and then Big Show comes out. Uh, Rock, he refuses to tag the Rock and He takes it to Big Show. He takes it a Triple H and Xbox. It's the sidewalk slam. a Triple H and Xbox in the corner together until the Rock finishes the size. I'm tagging myself in. Xbox hits the Rock with a chair behind the rest back. Uh, Show kind of moved along the apron to get a trash talk with the other member of DX that was on the apron, which means he wasn't there for the Rock to tag in when he needed him to. Uh, that means the Rock gets caught with a spin kick by x uh, Gets Rock gets worked over until he's to a. A. hit a DDT on Triple H and the Rock's kind of crawling the Rock's really good at selling, he doesn't get enough credit for his selling here, when he's being worked over but the Rock's crawling to the Big Show Is like, I need, he needs to tag out, he needs to tag out and then the Big Show jumps off the apron and then a low blow to the Rock when the rest of that pedigree, the Rock gets pinned by Triple H and then Big Show comes in after DX have left to had a choke slam on the rock. As I said earlier, that's only a second turn of the of this Rogue Retro Review so far. And so, should we count ones that aren't included on in the Retro Review? Because I think he turned once or twice before we started this.
1: I think we should count them.
0: Okay, get, those okay. num-
1: get those numbers up.
0: <laughs> so he comes in as a heel, and then I believe he turns face, that's one, to join, be part of the Union and then he turns heel to be part of the team with Undertaker turns face after Undertaker left uh, and then starts the whole thing with Bossman wins the title and then he turns heel on the steps of man so this is he debuted February in 1999 so we're almost a year a big to be rerun he he's turned four times
1: oh
0: this is his fourth turn in 11 months
1: <laughs> start as you mean to go on
0: yeah good <laughs> Lord, but yeah, I think they kind of telegraphed where this match was going to go. But I think it was maybe a little bit too short, you know, for a main event. Like I know these team matches aren't going to go long, but I think they could have like padded this match out a little bit, or maybe it's just the way I've written my notes down, I've made I've noted in like the key points of the match. But I think they could have gone a bit longer for this main event.
1: Yeah, and it kind of serves into what we were saying at the start of the episode as well. Like um, the, the whole Cactus Jack segment should have been the show closer because this was this was like this was what the build just to have <laughs> the big show turn heel by Choke slamming the rock i mean meh. whereas cactus jack is like big news so it's just odd it's it's, it's strange because it, this is no triple for Kishi that we had last week
0: yeah i mean i think because big show is the former champion and also the rock is the rock these two are the two real favorites to win the rumble because, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, the, the attitude out of this team that the mid-card is so, like, such depth in the mid-card. But from what I remember of the 2004 Rumble, which we're only a few weeks away from, is, like, yeah, there's got a lot of guys that you remember and who do get decent reactions. But looking at the actual, it's really a mid-card heavy match. We actually look at who do I realistically really think is going to actually win this and go on to WrestleMania to main event. And really, two of your old only main contenders are The Rock and Big Show maybe Kane is a long shot but like if you look at the time I think they needed Rock and Big Show to be at odds with each other because obviously going into the rumble they're the two of the favourites so they needed yeah. a Big Show to turn but like I think it's basically a case of like oh well we tried to use a face champion and one s- big surprise people don't find you relatable given you are seven foot tall fucking giant But time <laughs> you get again
1: and the seeds are planted for the tremendous McMahon in every corner
0: Oh, that is uh, some time away. But yes, that is what we're setting up to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's technically in terms of Big Show's career, he's at four heel turns. Two of them, only two of them, have happened. Only two turns have happened on the retro review. But he's up to four now, and we're going to keep that counter going. <laughs> uh, so bad. <laughs> but you know, it's not the match itself. Is even though you know where it's going, it's not bad. It's like. Uh, Rock and Big Show like I said they need to be at odds for the rumble and also DX are now finally back at full strength which Triple H needs them too because he needs to hold on to that title if he's going up against Cactus Jack so other than that like there's some decent stuff here and there in the middle of the show but I think it's bookended by great stuff especially at the start which is why I think it gets a thumbs up from me what would your rating be for this episode? I'm giving it a thumbs up as well and uh, as far as a moment, I would recommend people watch me if you don't know already. Like go back and watch maybe the the Mick Foley like start stuff at the start. Even though Triple does go on a bit, it does set you up if you want to watch the rest of the show. But like it's worth sitting through to get to the banking stuff, the reveal of Cactus Jack. And even though like I've got some matches that are decent here, there is a lot of filler. So I think out of everything, I would recommend the Cactus Jack stuff. Uh, assuming you're probably the same yeah i'm the
1: same um I, just on the point of the matches just quickly I, I can't believe how many matches are actually on these shows I, I actually made it a note in our episode last week like how many feckin matches are on these shows uh, But yeah, it's like so many of them are filler but i i would i yeah i would go with cactus jack as a recommendation but a very close second i would go with the rock and coach mm-hmm. just because oh, yeah. it's it's Perfect. the birth of so many great moments to come,
0: I think maybe the only reason I didn't say it, say that is probably because like I know that there are better m- interviews with them. Yeah. Like, a particular fair of mine is the coach interviewing the Rock at WrestleMania 18 before his match with uh, Hogan, where he makes a uh, coach say his prayers, <laughs> or like when Hollywood Rock is interviewed by Coach in 2003 and basically says to him like, "You need to schedule an appointment to see the Rock." How's Wednesday? As he looked at imaginary schedule on his on his forehand. like, How's Wednesday? Well, uh, Wednesday works. Get out of here.
1: <laughs> they're just uh, good. So they're just so good together, Coach and Rock. They're just, like, they was like you can see they both of them have so much fun with that stuff. And that's that's where that's having a bit of chemistry. Like it goes a long, long way. And having that having a little bit of freedom as well, 'cause we we know like the rockers well, at this point anyway, had so much freedom to do whatever he really wanted to do and to co- to have Coach playing off that seemingly to be natural, like a natural kind of response to the stuff Rock's coming out with. Just
0: perfect. It's just such good shit.
1: Such good shit.
0: <laughs> but uh, that is, uh, I think, given that we had that man Mankind segment I think there's a a good episode to kind of leave of, uh Ditz's time on the retro review, but I think these last two episodes have been a lot of fun to record, and I really thank you for for joining me on this. As
1: yeah, thank thanks for having but, me. It's been a pleasure. Like like I said last week, I don't really do collabs that often. So um, no, thank you very much for asking uh, asking me to come on.
0: Thank you very much. I've I've got some uh, good guests lined up in the uh, weeks to come. I've got uh, I've been reaching out to a couple of people who also work along with the uh, project that's so the more collabs in the future so i've got one or two people who have been on before that i want to bring back on uh i've got some other people i have mind. i'm going to reach out to soon hopefully they're willing to come on i really i'm really enjoying having these uh these guests from outside of rogue opinions come on to the show and if maybe there's a point down the line we can bring you back if you're going to keep watching then maybe at some point down the line we can have you back oh
1: absolutely that'd be amazing <laughs>
0: just in case some people randomly missed last week's episode or for the people at the back who weren't paying attention the last <laughs> time uh what are you where can i find you on twitter and uh what are your plugs
1: and how to, how dare you miss that last episode by the way go and watch <laughs> it go listen to it um you can find me on twitter at project Dit. same on uh instagram and then on youtube and twitch it's just project it. it's no need for the at gimmick on there um my podcast is available Everywhere. So I've got the Dits on Wrestling podcast, which is part of Project Dits. Um, but all the other pods that are part of the feed, whether it be the wrestlings or, or football, anywhere you get pods, you're going to find it. So just type in Project Dits and it's all going to be there for you. Really good content, really good team, uh, still building the team. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of months, we're going to be at the peak of. The, the members that we have we've got, we're, we've already got a good footing but it's, it's only going to get better from here uh, I do Twitch stream every now and then still trying to get to grips with it so uh, go check that out that's always a good time um, and yeah that's really it
0: yeah we've got a lot of good people over uh, over there and Nathan so you know it's worth checking out <laughs> <laughs> me and Nathan have a thing going where we're each other's nemesis so I had to keep that I had to keep that little feud going nice but- I like it you can find me uh, at Skull 1996. Follow RogaPines at Rogue Opinions. Take back the last episode last week in case you missed it. And uh, stay tuned for our future episodes. We're so close to the Royal Rumble 2000. We've also got Bant- the Banter Munich podcast. Me, Jimmy, and Nathan are going to be putting together our own uh, Fantasies of Irish News cards, as well as uh, talking all sorts of nonsense about wrestling and other sorts of pop culture stuff. Uh, my other podcast got on Paul's Ram podcast at SP Rambling on Twitter. But I think you this, our SummerSlam 1992 review over there, should it be out. Uh, there's a lot for us to talk about there. It's part of a new series we're doing called uh, From the Vault, based on my friend Paul's like big extensive collection of old wrestling VHSs. So we're basically using that collection to dictate what shows we review. Uh, and also stay tuned to Rogue Opinions' uh, Twitter feed. For details on the upcoming uh, TV quiz I'm going to be hosting, but I think that's all the plugs we have. But until then, until we have to dictate how many other, how many other times the Big Show's bloody turned on people, <laughs> I'll just say I would bid you all adieu and say one more time to Ditz. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, buddy.